0: Hey, welcome to The Conversation. This is Andy Mason, and you're listening to Authentic Conversations Around the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. Uh, This week, I'm going to give you, really uh, unpack some of what I've written in my journal. So uh, what I tend to do is every day or every couple of days at least, I'm writing down what I'm hearing God say, uh, what scriptures, what thoughts, what ideas. It's how I process, but also captures. There's something that happens when I sit down and take a thought in my head and I take the time to write it down every single time it gets better it gets more robust just that simple process of a thought to something written down makes you look at it uh, so it's like a different type of learning and then you're like mm, yeah I'm not sure if that I agree with that or enables me to process with myself and i find that the second part of that is when Moses turned aside when he saw a burning bush, then God spoke. Something happens when we intentionally or deliberately turn aside and do something. It costs you to sit down and journal. I encourage you to do that. The other part of what I do is uh, from time to time, I'll sit down and just summarize. This is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm learning. So it kind of is a memorial, a, a kind of point of reference in my journal. Uh, it's like some, I'm stopping, I'm pausing, I'm reflecting, which is so good. I love it. Rhythm, seasons, cycles are so important in our walk with God. Uh, We're not just constant 100 miles an hour, but literally he commanded us every seven days. You pause, reflect, remember the Lord who made you. Remember who your source of supply is. So part of this process is actually stopping, pausing and reflecting. And I encourage you to do that yourself. So journal. I encourage you to do that. Grab a journal. Anything will do, but something you can capture your thoughts of your journey, your history with God. You'll be amazed what happens as you start to write that down or type it out. And number two is pausing, making time to reflect. What am I learning? Uh, What's been going on? Capturing the moment so that we don't just repeat the dumb things we do in history. We actually learn from it and move forward. So here's what I wrote down for me. Some of the things that I've been learning and literally uh, this is the the last week. It just seems like there's so much going on. It feels like there's an acceleration. Now in part, it's the first week in 12 months that we as a family have engaged again. Uh, We've had the vaccine. Uh, Now our daughter is no longer as susceptible or vulnerable. So that means that um, because of that, I can, engage a lot more but there's so much that changed 12 months ago i had an office now i don't have an office i work from home so the meetings that i have the amount of time that it takes to engage to drive in to go from place to place yes there's a lot more but it's it's all good but it's all transition and change so here's some things that stood out to me uh, just through the course of my week that i'm learning i'm hearing god say and then what they practically mean that i'm doing different so number one is, uh, is around Kingdom. I'm doing a Kingdom Unleashed course with my friend Shay Bynes. Uh, we're going to actually write a book together. So we thought we'd just run a course together first, which is actually unpacking what it is that we want to put into the book and really testing it on a couple of people, getting their input feedback. And as we go through, it's a fun journey. But one of the things that stood out to me just this last week is Uh, The kingdom of God is the operating system. The administration of Jesus is how he governs, how he rules, how he reigns. It's literally his regency. It's It's the king. He is the king and it's his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is power over sin, gives you power over sin, power over sickness, disease, everything associated with sin. separation from the ideal plan that God has for you. That's what it gives power over. Secondly, power over systems. We'll come back to that. And thirdly, power over Satan, power over the spiritual realm. Jesus gave you the keys to the kingdom if you are not just a follower of him, but someone who is embodying Christ, actually a disciple of Christ. So Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. But it's not just the kingdom of God is and His righteousness. So I can seek the kingdom of God, the administration, the principles, the ways of God. But actually, it's not just the ways because I could, I could do or pursue the kingdom, but according to my own way. Uh, if I give you an example of that, I could um, set about a righteousness in our country, but I do it through violence and control that's might be seeking first the kingdom as in righteousness but if i do it in a way that is not of the king it only leads to dysfunction so the kingdom gives power over systems systems of poverty systems of injustice systems of corruption but i'm realizing it's also workplace systems that undermine people undermine profit undermine the planet true kingdom systems cause All things to flourish. So I've just been pondering that, the whole systems. We've been good historically uh, okay at recognizing we have authority over sin and a forgiveness releases me from the curse of sin. What Jesus did, paid for that. And also the whole, my connection with the King, with Jesus gives me authority over the spirit realm. I can walk into an environment, cast out demons. I can shift atmospheres, power over the spiritual realm. But I don't think we've paid enough attention to the kingdom of God gives me power over systems, which is why I got to go to a particular country, uh, Guatemala. El Malonga, Guatemala had an individual spiritual revival in the late 90s. Uh, you can, there's videos on it. If you look up El Malonga, Guatemala, Transformation, you'll find videos on that. It uh, went from being a, a drunken city with just craziness from that side to a, I would call it a a revival, a spiritual awakening in the people to the point that individuals came alive in their relationship with Jesus. That is revival and they straightened out their lives. They stopped drinking. They started working more and the fruit of it was phenomenal. Uh, Literally the production in the land, multiplied they went from one harvest a year to four this the carrots went from little carrots to the size of a man's arm there's so many aspects of that which was actually documented at the time well i got to go back there in 2018 so 20 years after this revival and i wondered what would it look like and i got to go down and talk with some of the growers the farmers the first thing that struck me was the litter the trash on the streets then the further I went, the more I realized it's like just this grief of what started as an individual revival, filled up the churches, multiplied their harvests, but it never got into the systems or structures of society. So although there were salvations throughout the city, they never changed the systems, the structures, the culture the governing authority in terms of culture. So what's happened? The kids still leave home, go elsewhere. And what started as an individual revival never turned into transformation in terms of a city because they never changed the systems or the structures, the systems of systemic poverty, the systems of systemic injustice never got changed. What's the point? If I don't understand that the kingdom of God also applies to the systems. It's not just individual salvation, but actually what does it look like to bring the justice of God to a system in society that uh, judges people according to the color of their skin or where they were born or their race or their bank account, any of that, how a rich person could get away with a crime, but a poor person can't. That systemic injustice the kingdom of God came to uproot that and to establish something that all people, color, creed, race, language thrive. So that's the first revelation of We've got to focus more on this. And that's where we've failed. In order to see cities fully alive, we must engage at every level of society, which means we cannot ignore government, but also the systems within your business. And we'll come back to some of that when I talk about the disciplines of execution. So that's number one. The kingdom gives power over systems as well as sin and Satan. Number two, if I don't honor the diversity of gifts, so God's given given you gifts. Uh, if you're a business person, you truly given the gift of a business person, you will be able to create wealth even in your sleep. You just like you're naturally wired to do that, to create jobs, to influence the economy. That's the way that you are wired. And typically successful business people are also gifted in systems. You understand the systems and the structures to enable something to grow. The vision, the strategy, the mission, the objectives, the strategies, the action plans, the deliverables, the execution of getting things done. That's what you are naturally gifted at. But as I stand back and look at it, what I realized, if I if I in a church setting, if I honor the pastor. I receive the gift of the pastor. I get cared for. I get nurtured spiritually. If I honor the gift of the apostle, I get equipped to understand that heaven is about heaven to earth, the operating system of heaven to see power demonstrated on the earth. If I honor the gift of the prophet, then I learn and grow in my hearing of the voice of God. But if that is all that I do in a church, you'll have a wonderful blob You won't have the structure or the systems. I have to also honor the gifting of the people. The same gift on the apostle that releases that gifting is the gift of leadership on someone that's gifted as a CFO or COO. The whole operating. How do I operate this system? I need to honor both giftings equally in order for the body of Christ to grow up until its full stature. So I'm watching that and realizing, wow, we have honored or esteemed one gifting over another. And as long as we do that, we're dishonoring another gifting and then not receiving the benefit of that, which is why many of our nonprofit or religious organizations tend to be more like a paddle boat rather than a battle cruiser. Because we just go round and round in circles because we've honoured one gifting, but we haven't equally honoured another. It's not one at the expense of the other. It's both and. If we truly want to see the fullness of the stature of Christ grown up in the earth around us. So number one, the kingdom of God is not just about sin, power over sin and power over Satan. It's also power over systems which means bringing systems and structures in place so that all people thrive. Number two, the only way to get the systems to thrive is to honor, to recognize, to esteem, to value the people with those giftings, a gifting of leadership, a gifting actually to better see and establish the structures from personal to family to organization that cause things to move. Structure that supports growth doesn't control it. Number three, Uh, goodness and mercy follow me. Psalm 23, I was just meditating on this. I think it's verse six. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does that mean? The revelation I had is, why would mercy and good, I get goodness following me, that sounds great, but mercy follows me. And this realization that you need mercy when you screw up. But the goodness of God is that It's not just his goodness that follows us. It's literally, I don't know, the image of an angel running after me with a bucket full, like probably a shovel, actually. It's a shovel of mercy that when I mess up, he knows ahead of time that when I walk through life, the humanity of me, the frailty of my humanity, my own dysfunction, he's literally set up ahead of time. Knowing that I'm going to screw up, he causes mercy to follow me. His mercy is new every morning. That just blows me away. That gives me confidence to run into situations where I don't know actually the outcome. I'm giving my best, but I know that I will make mistakes and messes, and that's okay. But as long as I receive His mercy, one, I'm merciful to myself. Number two, then I receive His mercy for me. But then number three, I recognize that and realize Oh, that's what stops me from then judging or excluding or cutting off others because I've received mercy. I can then give mercy to those around me. So goodness and mercy follow me. They chase after me. They pursue me. It's his kindness instead of punishment, favor instead of disconnection. Why? Because I need it. So number one, we talked about kingdom over systems. Number two, I've got to honor the diversity of gifting those actually have the gift to build those system structures processes value them the gift of administration is critical if you want to build anything bigger than a small tent you're gonna need structure if you want to have a tent that's wonderful you can go camping with yourself and a couple of others but if you want to build anything bigger than that you're gonna need systems and structures value those people number three mercy follows you why because you're gonna need it number four The challenge is execution, not strategy or ideas. I just picked up this book. It's called The Four Disciplines of Execution. It's actually outstandingly practical, really, really good. But it nails the core problem why all of us have so many good ideas. Well, all of us, um, maybe me. Okay, this is me, maybe you, but this is primarily me. So many ideas and I can get distracted easily. So why is it that we don't get much done? It's because we have too many. We end up trying to do too many things at once and we don't do anything well. The four disciplines of execution is number one, identify and focus on your wildly important goal. What is the one thing that if you achieve will move you according, move you, in alignment with your big picture, purpose, mission, what you are called to do on the earth. What is that one wildly important goal? And what are the, what they call the lag measures? Uh, So many things, I've got a dashboard and it's how many people are coming to a conference and it's uh, how many testimonies have we got? And it's uh, what my cash flow is at the end of each month. The problem is those are all lag measures. They're after the fact. You can't actually do anything about it once you've got those measures because they are the afterwards measures. What we need is number two. So number one is the wildly, focus on your wildly important goals and the lag measures. But number two is identify the lead measures. What can you identify and measure? on a regular basis, a weekly basis, that if you do those things, it will result in achieving the wildly important goal. So for me, that is, I mean, how many people am I equipping on a daily basis to actually understand what the testimony is, to understand how to hear God? That that at this end will lead me to the ultimate goal and result. Uh, if I want to have so many people at conference, well, how many... Uh, leads am I collecting on a daily basis how many people am I talking to on a daily basis that will actually result in them coming to the conference rather than the number coming what am I doing that actually leads to that result so that's number two number three is a clearly identifiable scoreboard so you put those statements Um, people play differently when there's a scoreboard you, I guarantee you, the warm-ups compared to when the game starts, when that board suddenly flashes, you see everybody, every player suddenly steps up their game from throwing the ball out and taking shots until when those shots count, people play differently. So it's so important to have a scoreboard, which is for us, is like we can talk about that. We can see that very clearly. How do we know we are winning? Let people know. What are those lag measures, lead measures? What is the wildly important goal? So that people can see it and you'll get a different result, different behaviors. And then number four is what they call the cadence or it's actually regular meetings so that you talk about it. Talk about it two weeks, then forget about it. Your performance will drop off. But if it's all about how do we actually get things done, I've got to know what my wildly important goal is, focus on that, focus on the lag measures, but also identify the lead measures that contribute to that. Number three, have it on a scoreboard so that my entire team can see this is what we're going after, this is what we're doing, this is what I'm measuring, holding one another to account to achieve our wildly important goal. And number four is these regularly bring that up, short, sharp, effective meetings that keep us on track to execute these wildly important things that we say we're on the planet to do. So that's great. The book is... The the four disciplines of execution, wonderful, short read, and very, very helpful. It's even got a worksheet that will walk you through those steps. So what have I done? I've gone through uh, Kingdom Over Systems. This is pretty good journaling, isn't it? Number two, uh, the importance of honoring the diversity of gifts, the systems, the structures. If I don't do that, if I just employ people like me, we will have 100 ideas, people, and get nothing done. I have to honor and value someone different to me, someone that brings in the systems and the structures that will facilitate us to grow, the daily disciplines. Number three, mercy follows me. So when I screw up, it's like, it's gonna happen. Get over it, get moving and recognize that mercy follows me, which means that I can give mercy to people around me. Um, Number four, the challenge is execution. And we walk through the four keys to that. Number five, Forgiveness, forgiveness is the key. Uh, Matthew five and six, Jesus is talking the beatitude, his kingdom qualities. And he talks the Lord's prayer, this prayer that we all know. A Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our sins or offences, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I was processing that and this realization The forgiveness is really, really key. And the standard is at the same level, to the same standard that Jesus forgave us. That's what I'm committing to, which is pre-forgiveness and which is absolute. Now, this doesn't mean that you stay in a dysfunctional or abusive relationship. It doesn't mean that you set up some boundaries, but it does mean that I forgive. I release you from the expectation and obligation. And that starts with me forgiving myself, which is huge. So that's number five. And then number six, this is the other one, is community and belonging is not to an institution. It's not to a club or a membership. I don't get my belonging by being a card-carrying member of a particular church or a card-carrying member of a particular football team or a club or whatever it is. I'm actually belonging from being a member of the family of God. I am a part of a global community, it's called kingdom and it's throughout the earth. And that is not some nebulous excuse for avoiding deep relationship. No, this is the contrary. I am connected deeply with people in Chicago, in New York, in Portland, in Houston, Texas, uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. I intentionally meet with those people every two weeks. Call it a mastermind group, call it friends, call it whatever it is. But they're all kingdom-minded, Christ-centered people that I am doing life with, that I share intentionally and grow with. I am more connected with those people than I am with the people that I see face-to-face on a two-hour Sunday service that I call myself a member of. What's the point? is don't reduce don't reduce your belonging to a simple club or an expression of faith that is where you show up every single week you're a part of a global family so start to think like that start to reach out and say who could i intentionally build relationship with that is outside of my nuclear echo chamber my nuclear circle and recognize that You belong. You belong exactly where you are. And you also belong to a global family that is following Christ and seeing his kingdom advance throughout the earth. So I want to encourage you with all of that. Um, Number one, the kingdom is power over systems as well as Satan, as well as sin. Number two, I've got to honor the diversity of the diversity of gifts to actually see Anything built beyond the size of a small hiking tent. Number three, mercy follows me. Why? Because I know I'm gonna screw up. Number four, the challenge is execution of getting things done. And the way to do that simplest is actually reduce the amount of things that you're aiming at. What is the one wildly important goal that you're moving forward in your business, in your family, in your life? Number five, forgiveness. It's a key to the same standard that Jesus forgave us. Forgive yourself and forgive others. And number six is community. You belong to a global kingdom, not just some local uh, institution, not some local card carrying club, but you're a part of something far, far bigger, far greater, and that is the exciting thing. encourage you, if you've got any questions or comments, please don't hesitate to contact me. So that's andy at authentic-solutions.com. There's still room in some of the mastermind groups that we're putting together. If you are 100% Christ-centered, you are fully engaged, you know you're called to advance in business, that's where you're called, that's where you're operating And number three, you want to see the kingdom advance where you are, then reach out and you can find out more on authentic-solutions.com. Thanks for listening and we shall connect again next week.